Shut up and sit down. Shit, this is what we've been waiting for. Back in the saddle after bank holiday. A gorgeous bank holiday. Hottest weekend of the year. Sun's out, guns out, buns out. And the barbecue was steaming. Had a good cook up this weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed the sunshine. If there was anywhere you find yourselves, if you were in London, that was an absolute certainty. Um, really made the most of the weekend this weekend, guys. It was um, it was full on Dr. Green Thumb in session. So I got a lot of my garden planted, which was amazing. Um, mixed results on the uh, on the reach on the transplant um, on the transplant front that we did. A couple of the babies have since not made it and some are settling in nicely so some ongoing adjustments there but uh, I'm hoping that in you know 10 weeks time there's going to be a thriving edible garden in the backyard that will uh, that will allow us to eat clean eat healthy and eat plate uh, from vine to plate which is which is the goal you know, as self-sufficient as possible. So we've, um, yeah, not going to sit here and tell you everything about my gardening weekend because uh, that's pretty fucking lame. But at the end of the day, I'm going to have about 35 to 40 different varieties of plants, uh, fruits, herbs, and vegetables growing in the backyard. So that's how we're living, guys. We're trying to live healthy, trying to live clean, trying to live uh a self-sustaining lifestyle as it were so um yeah lots of sunbathing how can you not we don't know how many days like this we're gonna get in london and uh and we've got another one today um back to work and like i said back in the saddle um just finished the first day back after the bank holiday so some meetings getting back into the swing of things lovely times and uh just enjoying the rest of the sunshine uh it's been a hot one today but then apparently uh, it's supposed to do what uh, do what England weather does and drop right off and get gray and you know a little bit more cloudy and all that. So we'll see what happens. But uh, for now, we enjoy it and, uh, and and we're here, guys. Episode thirty, thirty episodes. I would never would have thought it. Never would have thought it. And um, we're still going. We got tons to talk about. We got tons to to explore and um yeah as we always do thanks for listening guys um the the numbers are growing steadily and we're losing some and then gaining some and you know it's it's all kind of you know the feeling out process i sometimes have to check myself because when i get onto the microphone i'm like oh we've kind of been doing this for a while now but then it's like oh my god episode 30 we're still we're still babies in the game. We're still we're still youngsters here, right? And you got to crawl before you walk and you got to walk before you run. So each episode is what it is, a learning experience, a, a chance to grow and uh, and get better at this thing because we want to stick around and keep giving you guys the good content. So um, guys, we're on a countdown, right? Not only are we excited because the weather's nice? Not only are we excited because 
we're putting more episodes out to you guys, but we're also so anxious in anticipation of the next episode of the real housewives of the White House. Right? We're on a countdown to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time where Donald Trump has announced on Twitter that he will be making a formal announcement on the Iran nuclear deal um, from the White House this afternoon. So for those of you in England, that's going to be 7 o'clock this evening. And he really announces these things like it's a fucking episode or season finale of a, of a TV show. And, I mean, he's being urged by all of the other parties that have signed on to the, um, the original uh, Iran nuclear deal that Obama got through to stay with it. And if you know anything about the nuclear, uh, the, um, the the Iran nuclear deal, as it's often called, you'll understand that this is actually a really, really good thing, right? It's it's in its current form. It's not. I don't. There's this is the thing, right? Donald Trump will say this is the worst deal America's ever signed, and then quote a number like sixty-five billion dollars uh, that has gone to terrorism, right? Which aren't facts. They're speculation and conflation of something that's been whispered in his ear by somebody else. The fact of the matter is the nuclear agreement that everybody signed up for, which is being phased in, reduces any potential of Iran creating a nuclear weapon. It's off the table and there's so much oversight and inspection and transparency with this deal that they never would be able to because it, the reduction of their capabilities, it would remove them. It, it would, it would move the timeline from them being, being able to create a nuclear weapon in the space of like a month and a half or two months to a year, if not more. But then, like I said, with that oversight, they're never going to get that far anyways. And it's a funny old thing when you make a country, the, you know, be able to manifest its own destiny. You know, they start to do well. They start to progress and develop. You know, and nuclear can make things a lot cheaper. A lot of energy is a lot cheaper. A lot of production a lot cheaper. It can help in a number of different ways. But, I mean, you know, to say Iran isn't funding terrorism or isn't, you know, contributing to the to the success or the ongoing uh, fight that some of these terrorist groups or combatant groups are engaged in is you have to admit that, right? You have to admit that there's there's an absolute connection between Iran and terror for sure. Um, but the nuclear proliferation that was happening previous to this agreement was, in my opinion, worse. So the fact that that stopped and the fact that that capability has been removed is a net positive for the world, right? And then you have to kind of try to bring Iran and Russia and all the other parties in that sort of conglomerate together to the table and you know try to try to push this globalization a little bit more 
But to say, nah, fuck it, we're out. It's a terrible deal. I mean, look what happened with the TPP, right? The Trans-Pacific Partnership. He came out as hostile against that as possible, saying it's the worst fucking deal ever and there's no way we're staying in the... Um, we're, ne we're never staying in this. The Paris Climate Agreement, you know, these partnerships and these agreements with... All, like multilateral agreements with nations that are good for the globe. He just blanket dismisses them as terrible ideas. Well, now he wants back in the TPP. Now he's considering the, the Paris Climate Change Agreement, but he can't with his, you know, staunch deregulation in the EPA. So there's a bit of a conflict of interest there. But he wants in the TPP again after shitting all over it. What's to say he, in six months' time, he turns around and says, ah, fuck, should have done that actually. You don't do foreign policy from Twitter. And you don't do foreign policy without knowing history and knowing the details. And you certainly don't do foreign policy out of spite for the person that was in the administration before you. Because that's all ultimately this is, right? This is a, this is a campaign to knock down anything Obama did. More than anything. And I think if you take it all the way back, it's to the White House Correspondents' Dinner when... Obama roasted him. That's the kind of guy Trump is, right? He's not good, right? It was like I was saying in the last episode about uh, whether or not he deserves credit for the, for the talks that are happening on the Korean Peninsula right now. For sure. But you don't give Nobel Peace Prizes out because the solution was reached by threats. You don't say, I got a bigger rock than you, so you need to put your rock down and then win a peace prize. But he deserves the credit for getting them to talk. But again, we silo that in terms of the wider presidency and the broader spectrum of policies, opinions, and comments that come out of his mouth on a on an hourly basis. So yes, give him all the credit for that. But definitely don't give him a peace prize for that. So we're waiting to see if he just removes himself from this Iran nuclear deal. And then what? What's the fallout then? All of the um, all of the nuclear sanctions go back into effect, and not only that, but can we think about a wider implication to this? So, for instance, the Iran nuclear deal was signed by Obama, was proposed, constructed, and deployed by Obama, then signed on by like seven or eight different you know nations. UK, Germany, etc. If he comes out at 2 o'clock this afternoon and says we're out of that agreement, like he has done with other agreements, the trade partnership and the climate agreement, if he comes out and says this is the worst deal, because he has come out and said this is the worst deal America has ever signed, then if he comes out at 2 o'clock this afternoon and says we're out, 
of the Iran nuclear deal. It's a terrible deal. It needs to be restructured. The sanctions are going back on, et cetera, et cetera. What does that say to Rocket Man, as Trump himself likes to call him? What does he start thinking over in North Korea about denuclearizing his country? Because if he does, what's to stop? I mean, I hate to tell you this, but there's a fucking good chance that Donald Trump's going to get a second term in his presidency. I'm just saying. What's to say Kim Jong-il uh, signs this thing, this uh, denuclearization treaty or whatever for the Korean Peninsula, and then three years from now or four years from now, Trump's like, mm, actually, I don't like that agreement anymore. See ya. You are sitting there with your dick in your hands, no protection and no nothing. No recourse for whatever big man wants to do next. So it might make this little guy think twice about doing any of these kind of check uh, checkpoints that the Americans are demanding off of him in order to have this summit, talk about trade with the South, um, you know, unifying that peninsula again. It might make him recede a little bit. His advisors might be whispering in his ear right now, look at me. If he fucks them over, what happens in a deal where it's just you two and South Korea? say because Trump is more for unilateral deals than he is for multilateral deals he's come out and said that as well so he would rather sign a one-on-one -on -one agreement so he can dictate the terms and then also break those terms like he has done in his business life before he uh, came to the White House but if I'm North Korea right now I'm kind of like pretty important Pretty important what he says at 2 p.m. So like the Jeopardy clock, we are counting down to get the answer to this question. And he's played it and I'm sure the ratings will be great because Donald Trump can play the news cycle. So we'll see what happens. You know, it's kind of important. It's kind of important. And it also detracts from the fact that his uh, press secretary is up there. She can't answer questions about whether she's lying to reporters or not being told information and being made to look like a complete moron, um, you know, which at the best of times isn't too difficult for Miss Huckabee Sanders. Um, but if you saw the last press briefing, it was pretty, it was pretty awful to watch. It was pretty hard to, uh, to get through because she's just up there like a lamb to the slaughter. And she's trying to scream and and just all this noise distraction and cries to, to try to get them away from her because... I mean, what's left for her to do at this point other than say, listen, guys, I don't know what the fuck is going on. You got to talk to him. 
I get sent this piece of paper and whatever, you know, the people around me are giving me. And I come out here with some prepared points because you can tell when I'm reading them. And then the rest of the time, I'm going to refer you to somebody else or I'll have to come back to you on that. I mean, she hasn't got a fucking, she hasn't got a hope in hell. There is no hope in hell of being successful at that job with that guy in power because he's so, he's so, he's so erratic. Like, he's just, you just, you can't call it, you know? So, um, yeah, the last, the last, uh, the last press, press briefing was, uh, was difficult. Um, but, you know, she's either going to have to break down and say that or have a nervous breakdown and quit or fuck up so bad she's fired, which, you know, all three are potential. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just. It's weird times. It's really weird times. Um, but this is um, this is an interesting one. So I'm sure by the time we come back to you guys with another episode, uh, there'll be a decision made clearly because I'm not going to record uh, another one. Um, so the next time uh, today. So the next time that we come at you guys, there'll, there'll definitely be an outcome to this and we'll see what that outcome is. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But in other news, you know, while all of this stuff is happening, let's get to the important shit, guys. Let's get to the important shit. What are we talking about? Foreign policy and nuclear proliferation and sanctions that are, you know, going to be potentially broken and all that other good stuff. Why are we talking about that fluffy stuff? Can we get to something that's important, please? Can we get back to, can we get to, can we get back to heavenly bodies? The theme of this year's Met Gala, which is lovingly called the Oscars of the fashion world. And I mean, we're talking, let me preface this by saying the point of the Met Gala is great. The delivery of the Met Gala, 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 whatever the fuck, the delivery of this event is vomit inducing. Okay? Now, these guys raise a ton of money at this event, which is great. However, do I need to see Rihanna dressed up as a jewel-encrusted pope? I'm not joking. If you haven't seen it, she's dressed up like the pope. It's called Heavenly Bodies, and there's a religious theme to this. With fashion, sacrilege. <laughs> Bit sacrilegious, but, you know, not a very religious guy, so what the fuck do I know? All I do know for sure is that Rihanna was dressed up like the pope. Clooney's wife was dressed up like a stained glass window. Sarah Jessica Parker was dressed up like a horse in a gold cape with fucking roses all over it. And Katy Perry was an angel with 10-foot wings. I mean, it is literally the most ridiculous shit ever. And, you know, to say that actors and people in the entertainment business are lacking 
inner kind of inner strength and inner belief and self-confidence I mean talk about please look at me look at me look at me nobody loves me and I'm insecure I'm going to strap 10 foot wings to my back or I'm going to do an interpretation of like a prayer and dress up like I don't even know what King Arthur or some shit in a black veil please look at me look at me I'm over here guys nobody's paying attention to me for like 20 or 30 minutes fine I'm gonna dress up like the Pope look at my titties in this Pope hat doesn't that look so nice I mean come on guys I mean this is the most pretentious and gross like I said vomit inducing spectacle I've seen in some time I mean like I said great that they're fundraising why did you why do you gotta dress up like something out of Pan's Labyrinth or something out of like a religious remake where it looks like a Baz Luhrmann version of the Passion of the Christ with all these characters like it's just so ridiculous but hey what the fuck do I know as long as they're raising money and giving it to good charities great you know put your put your wings on you know it just it keeps coming across the news <coughs> like it's like it's important but they're not saying anything about the cause they're not saying anything about the donations the amount raised they're just saying look at all these amazing celebrities and their amazing outfits and it's like one they're not amazing they look stupid they're gaudy they're unnecessary and if you look at it you know you want to talk about fucking cultural appropriation which we're going to get to in a minute cultural appropriation i mean Where's all my feminists? Where's all my religious fanatics? Where the fuck is everybody calling this stupid nonsense out? You know, you want to have a go at a young girl going to her senior prom in a Chinese dress and say that's cultural appropriation and that girl should die. But Rihanna dresses up like the fucking Pope to go to a fundraising event. It's called Heavenly Bodies and she's got her titties out. But nobody's got nothing to say about that. I mean, everybody got something to be outraged about. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by cultural appropriation. Because, you know, you can't have shit without somebody complaining about it. The latest in the episodic drama that is cultural appropriation is against the Mr. Men characters I saw. I think it was yesterday or today or yesterday. When I go to the gym, it's super early and there's like a couple TVs on in my gym and they've always got BBC News on. So I catch the headlines and then whatever stupid show might be on, you know, the other television, like uh, some renovation show or something like that. But I can always catch the headlines. And that's nice because, you know, in between my sets, like, you know, kind of, you know, get the get the snippets for the day, which is useful. But they were saying about this cultural appropriation of um, and this misrepresentation of characters in the Mr. Men series. 
And they're saying it's like, it's wrong to have a character like Miss, Miss Busybody because it has a negative connotation towards women. But you couldn't have Mrs. like silly lady or something like that as well because then she'd seem too weak. Like Miss Busybody is like, you know, more of like a forceful character. So they don't want to be seen as forceful. These crazy fucking ultra progressive social justice warrior leftist dickheads. They always have something to fight about. It doesn't matter what it is, right? I saw this video. I think it was on Twitter. Uh, again, maybe yesterday. And it was this woman talking about how we need to get rid of movies from the past because they're so like they promote violence against women and they promote um, like creeping on women and using them as sexual objects and like they cite movies like Porky's I'm just like pardon me I'm just like fucking Porky's that movie's from like 1973 or something, like nine or like 1981, right? Like around the time when like Surf School and shit like that came out. I mean, I'm not saying that it's right because, you know, there's scenes in Porky's where like dudes are like spying on women, like while they're showering in high school and shit, right? And like, but they're talking about like Pocahontas and things like that and these di these Disney films and I'm just like can we just fucking leave stuff alone why do we have to whitewash over history like yes we were Neanderthals basically 30 fucking 40 years ago right we barely knew our head from our ass right this whole thing's happened super quick but you can't whitewash history like it doesn't, it's never happened because it doesn't fit the now that you personally want to see as an ultra progressive leftist or, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a more aggressive feminist type or something like this. Because you're all you're doing is creating like a chaos scenario where you're just eating yourself and eating yourself and the comp like you just you just you're constantly eating your tail. Right. It's a snake chasing the tail. It's like a chaos theory. Everybody's fighting the same thing. And I heard a really interesting thing the other day. And it was a comparison about extremes. And the fact that a line with a point at either end actually isn't the best way to describe extremes. The best way to describe extremes is with a circle that doesn't meet at the top. But the points that start and finish the circle are right next to each other at the very top of that circle, right? Because if you're like someone who's all the way to the left and then you're someone who's all the way to the right, your ideas of censorship, removal, um, penalties, penalization, these sorts of things, they are the most extreme version, right? If you're on, think of, so basically what you're doing is you're, you're taking that line with the two ends of the points where you got the far left and the far right and you're bringing them up to almost where they would touch to form a circle. Because if you think about it, the way those two extremes deal with each other are not actually the farthest apart. 
they're actually the closest together. It's everybody else around, like the bottom of the circle, that's the farthest thing away. It's actually right in the middle, right? So the scenario and the, and the kind of the metaphor for that still works, but I think by making a circle rather than a line, you show the contrast between extremes a lot more. And the fact that actually that the way, the way they deal with things is actually more aligned than different. So the far left and the far right are actually closer together than the far left is to the middle or the far right is to the middle. We in the center, or people who find themselves like, you know, moderate and conservative about things and liberal, liber, about, liberal about things, those people are much closer together than the extremes of both of their, call it parties for lack of a better word, right? But if you're a right winger, you're still closer to somebody in the center than you are to the person on the extreme of that. And if you're closer to that person on the extreme, you're actually closer to the person on the left part of that extreme as well. If that makes sense. I probably over explained it, but you guys fucking get what I mean, right? I don't even know what I was talking about now. Giving you guys metaphors and shit, breaking down knowledge, giving you guys science, man. I'm giving you pearls here, baby. Stay with me, eh? Stay with me. You cannot whitewash history. You cannot just white out or masking tape over the things you don't like. Because just because it causes you offense does not mean it's wrong. There's nothing wrong with the Mr. Men fucking characters. There's nothing wrong with that girl wearing a Chinese dress to her prom. Right? There's nothing wrong with Ikea having this meatballs made in Turkey. <coughs> right? There's nothing wrong with a white dude putting cornrows in his hair. Just like there's nothing wrong with a black woman making her afro blonde. Just like there's nothing wrong with a black person straightening their hair if they want to. Just like there's nothing wrong with a white girl straightening her hair like a Chinese person if she wants to. Just like there's no problem with a chef who's white from England cooking Mexican food, right? And if a Mexican wants to become an expert in, in sushi, fucking do it. What are we talking about? Cultural appropriation. You took my culture? Who the fuck gave it to you? You were shit out of your mom's pussy however many years ago and you had no impact on how that decision was made or where the impact was, or where the, the result came it had nothing to do with you who the fuck are you to say what belongs to you and what doesn't we are all one thing in this and it's going to get a little wanky here right we're all one thing man we got to cut this bullshit out if i want to walk down the street in a fucking sombrero and a poncho with a dirty Sanchez mustache, who the fuck cares? Right? If a black dude in Compton wants to dress like Carlton, I, who the fuck cares? As long as they're not hurting anybody else, what the fuck does it matter to you? Because your violence and your vitriol and your rhetoric back the other way is doing more damage to everybody else than that person's form of expression that you think offends you you need to go for a long run man if somebody if you have the time to worry about cultural appropriation one 
you don't understand anything about history. You don't understand anything about immigration. You don't understand anything about assimilation. You don't understand anything about globalization. And more than that, you're just ignorant. But to the very, very end of the point, you got way too much fucking time on your hands and not enough struggle in your life. Because I'm telling you what, man, people who got struggle, people who got bills to pay, people who got shit to do, people who are focused on a goal, people who are getting themselves right mentally, physically, emotionally, people who are working to improve on themselves. Telling you what, man, they don't got time for that shit. Nobody's got time for that shit. The media's only got time for that shit because there's nothing else worth reporting. Because we can't just make this shit, the news cycle just can't be Donald Trump. And they're not going to play you good news because nobody wants to hear that shit. So they blow up, they blow up issues like this. Right? And guys, this is a minority of people who are worried about this kind of stuff. This is not the majority of people, I'll tell you right now. And I'll tell you what. Have you had have you had a conversation about cultural appropriation whereby it's been someone you know close to you has been affected by it? I'd love to hear from you guys because my guess is that everybody within earshot of my voice right now is saying the same thing. How is this even a thing? You know, we talk about being a melting pot. We talk about being, you know, this cultural, like, mosaic. And then we got the nerve to bitch and moan about people doing other things that may be traditionally looked at as being one culture or another. What the fuck are we talking about? Cultural appropriation is not a thing. I'm going to say it again. Cultural appropriation is not a thing. That might be the title of this episode, man. Cultural appropriation. Who the fuck has time for that? Give me a break. You know what I got time for? I got time for... I got time to figure out... I got time for people trying to figure out how the fuck we stop London turning into Baltimore or how we stop the UK turning into America, right? And I'm using that as a very extreme comparison, but I'm also looking at it as a problem. We got a problem. Right. We got a problem in the city where over the last weekend, five people have been murdered. Right. I think five people have been shot, which is pretty unprecedented for uh, for London. And they're saying the violent crime in the city is up 44 percent year on year. And that's a problem. But it's a problem that can be solved and it can be solved by a number of different mandates being brought together post haste by the people in power who again like I was saying in a previous episode I think last episode we need to cut through the bureaucracy when things are needed urgently 
We also need to look at the cutting of vital services as cost-saving measures because it's unacceptable. The fact that we have less police on the street now than we did three years ago is criminal in of itself. This is absolutely categorically unacceptable to have more to have less police than we did three years ago because of the budget cuts which doesn't seem to have an end to it just yet. We need more police getting the proper funding that they need. We need mandatory first-time offense minimums for guns and knives, full stop. And we need even stronger laws in place, whereas purchasing these things or controlling the distribution of these weapons, right? And like I said, we're not on an epidemic level or anything like that, because if you lived in America, you know, the weekend total is a, is a you know, is a, a relatively normal afternoon in a lot of cities in the States. You know, we're, we're nowhere near at the proportions, but I am not comparing one toilet full of shit to another toilet full of shit because they both got shit in them. I'm dealing with our problem at the moment. But when you got kids getting killed and random passers-by being the victims of these crimes, I don't need some wishy-washy commentary from the fucking mayor. I need Sadiq Khan to stand up and do something about it. I need Theresa May to stand up and do something about it. The budgets that are coming down from the chancellors that show cuts to our services are unacceptable. And on the same hand, you're talking about a 10,000 pound grant <coughs> or gift, I should say, to people who are uh, turning 25 to help them uh, invest in a mortgage or invest in a in starting a business. So we're going to cut the the services that protect us and keep us functioning as a good society, and we're going to up our welfare payments or our new taxes that will be introduced. To help people out who don't have, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them are finding it really, really difficult. I'm sure they are. I'm empathetic, man, because I fucking went through it myself buying a house. But I think it goes along with a lot of things that we talk about on this show. People can't fight adversity there's no sense of there's no sense of 
what do you call it? Like, there's no sense of thick skinness, if that's even something. Like, everybody just seems like a passive little pussy these days. I can't do it. I'm on a zero hours contract. What the fuck did you go to school for? Like, I'm sorry, man. And I get it's tough for some people, but there are people in this country struggling. So, there's a housing shortage, which drives the price of the houses up. Which makes them unaffordable to the everyday Joe and Jane. Right? But that fuels external investment, which they like. So give them ten, so give these guys 10 grand. Give these, these kids 10 grand and let them invest. Where do you think they're gonna live? Because they're saying, from the commentary I've heard, they're not like, you know what, I need another 10 grand and I'll fucking be there and I can buy a nice like one bed flat in London or something like that. They're talking about having nothing saved. And I'm very sorry, but I just, I just don't believe you if you say at the end of the week, you've got zero. There's got to be something you can budget on. There's got to be something that you can cut back on. There has to be. And if your goal is to own a house, then those sacrifices, unfortunately, have to be made. And if that's not going out on weekends or trips or, you know, vacations and shit like that for a year or two years or three years, that's what you got to do. Handouts make us weaker. I'm not saying that people don't deserve or need help. Everybody needs help. But I'm not seeing the graft from the other side. I'm really not. I'm really not, man. I know how these individuals live. I know what their fucking thought process is. It's about Friday. It's not about putting 10% of their wage away every month or 20% of their wage away or whatever, eating less, not going out, not going on trips, not going to the theater, not buying new shoes, not buying this and that. There's no, and I'm not saying that this is a blanket statement for everybody because I'm sure there are grinders out there, but you know what? I fucking know guys that are younger than me that have bought a house in this city by grinding their asses off. I also know kids that have silver spoons and have been handed cash, which obviously makes it a lot easier. But for some of us, that is not an option. And if it's not an option, you've only got two. Be at the behest of whoever you're renting from, who will dictate the terms and conditions of your life going forward in terms of how much you're going to pay, what you can and cannot do to the dwelling that you call home. Or you can buckle down and fucking save. And if you can't buy 
in the center of one of the major financial hubs and cities in the world? Well, I'm sorry, but sometimes that's not the fucking cards. Sometimes you got to adjust. Sometimes you might have to look at moving somewhere else. Sometimes you might have to look at moving farther out, more rural. Your transport in might be longer. But I know for a fact that there are houses in this country for 90000 And on a 10% mortgage scheme, it's nine grand. On a 20% mortgage scheme, you know, I mean, come on. This is not undoable. This is not unachievable. And listen, on the flip side of this, right? I think universal basic income is going to have to be something that is implemented eventually. Simply due to the nature of automation and robotics and artificial intelligence and things like that. I think so many people are going to be made redundant. So many, so many people are going to be out of a job in the next 15 to 20 years. Industries will become fully automated. And I say 15 to 20 years at like a stretch. You're seeing this stuff happen now. More and more and more. Don't let the little kickback and setback by the car, the driverless cars fool you. Oh, we are absolutely going automated. We are absolutely going to have Johnny Cabs driving us around. You know, but a little better looking. It would be cool though if you could get a fucking Johnny Cab. Uh, a Johnny Cab. Remember that shit from Total Recall. <laughs> the futuristic movies are hilarious in terms of where they are and what we're actually doing. But the thing is, like, universal basic income, I'm not opposed to. I'm not opposed to. But who's paying for it? Who is paying for it? The ones of the ones of us that don't have an automated, don't have a redundancy via automation. Okay, so what does that mean for my income? Am I just counting down, waiting for a robot to take my job so I can start getting free cash and exploring what my life would be like as an artist? Like, you know, guys, I just don't see the grind from the younger generation. I see them as being complacent. I see them as being lacking any attention span or any real focus. I mean, half of them are on fucking Adderall, which we're going to get to in a minute. But I don't see the focus, man. And I don't see any thick skin around. I see little, little grind from these folks. So I don't know what 10 grand's going to do. Because I know even in the house that I live in, I had to come with three times that. And I barely made it into the neighborhood that I live in. And if that would have been... Two or, say, two months later, I would have been priced out. It's supply and demand. The government needs to address this fucking problem of the housing shortage. Or the reallocation of housing. Or, I don't know, like, show me the fucking problems and let's hit them. One by one. I'm not convinced that giving millennials fucking 10 grand when they turn 25 is a solution. You know? And is, how are you going to, like, are you just going to give them 10 grand? Or are you going to say this 10 grand has to be allocated to 
a startup business, or a mortgage. So call us when you've got the rest and you can actually afford to buy a house or what are you going to do? Are you going to start like a, I don't know, like an animation company in your, in your basement? Like, you know, you're going to, you're going to make little toys for kids. You're going to paint pictures. Like that's your business. So here's 10 grand. I mean, like what's the fucking context? What's the nuance of this? You know? So I'm not opposed to universal basic income, but this isn't that. This is a gift for millennials. And some of them are proposing that the older people pay more in of their um, pensions into like legacy taxes and shit like that to take the burden off the young people. It's like fucking leave the old people alone. Like all we do, like literally just leave them alone. Like, they've already got us out of the European Union. Like, let's stop pissing them off. Anyways, you're not going to do that because anything that taxes the elderly is political suicide, right? If you up the taxes on the elderly, forget your political career. You're out. You're out. You know, it's really as simple as that. Um, I just think it could be, it could be a good idea like universal basing, basic income. But it needs to be thought out. They got to unpack it a little bit and they got to get into the nitty gritty of it a little bit. Because for me, it's not there yet. It's not there yet. So, I want to see more grind. I want to see I want to see you guys fucking working for it and stop complaining about everything all the time because it just seems like you're either YouTube douchebags or you're lazy little fucking twinks that don't do anything. Like, grind. Get off the medication and fucking grind. I mean, the medication... (sighs) Fucking doctors, man. There was a report released in the UK that said the um, prescriptions for ADHD medication has doubled in the last 10 years, I think it was. And now that there's over, I think there's over 1.3 million people receiving um, ADHD medication prescriptions in the UK. Right? It's, It's like the answer that the doctors have. If somebody comes in and says, I can't focus, I can't concentrate. I can't concentrate. I can't think of anything. All I can think of, all I can think of is a hundred different things all the time. Like, I'm not fucking trying to make fun of people who really have like a dissociative like disease or problem. But motherfuckers, man, some of you fuckers just aren't focused. Some of you fuckers just need exercise and to change your diets. ADHD, put them on fucking Adderall or Ritalin or whatever they put them on. I'm like... I'm just thinking like we're just throwing pharmaceuticals at our problems. And for me it's like it's the worst thing you can do. Like I saw some woman on the television and she was saying, "Oh, 
my six-year-old was diagnosed with ADHD last month. And she's been great since they got her on the medication. Or my eight-year-old son was diagnosed with ADHD after having, after having problems paying attention in school. Couldn't sit still in class. So they put him on pills. And I'm just like, what are we talking about? Like these doctors just throw these drugs at kids or adults or anybody that they can give them to. If you come in and have a problem, they've got a pill that will solve it. And again, I'm not blanket statement in this and saying that there's, that medication is not good for anybody because it is. And medication can absolutely help alleviate symptoms and alleviate some problems in people. But it's not a cure-all. And we need to stop acting like it is. Because again, I'm watching the news earlier. And we've got five people sitting on a, on, a, on a stage advocating the effectiveness of ADHD drugs. So effectively what you're, what you're looking at, what you're looking at is five people that have, that are adults ranging 30 to 50. And they're up there on national television, on the BBC. And they're saying, these medications are the best. These medications are fantastic. These medications changed my life. These medications are all I was waiting for. Until I found these medications, I was lost. These medications changed my life and made me the best person. Like it was a commercial for the pharmaceutical industry and the prescription drugs that they give for ADHD. All right. Now, what is that? Is that Ritalin? Or is that Adderall? Right. That helps focus. I mean, it was an infomercial. It was a 20, it was a 10 minute infomercial. And I thought to myself, well, what you're looking at is methamphetamine addicts. You're looking at methamphetamine addicts that are up there telling you how much they like their meth. And because it comes in a white pill and not off the corner of the street, they say it's okay. And for me, that's a fucking problem. Right? Because we lock meth addicts up. But if you get one from a guy, if you get your meth from a guy in a white coat, in a brand new looking building with a big sign out front, then you're okay. And again, I, I worry that when I hear that we're giving eight-year-olds Ritalin or Adderall because they can't sit still, or they can't focus on something. It's like, have we checked their diet? Have we seen how many grams of sugar that they're ingesting per day, just in like a glass of milk that they may be getting from their school? Or in a chocolate bar or a bag of crisps or orange juice, Coca-Cola, whatever it may be, jacked full of sugar. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Maybe the fact that they're, <clears throat> sorry, pardon me. Maybe the fact that they're glued to their computer or to their phone and that they don't know what the outside even looks like half the time. And they're not getting any physical ex exercise or exertion in their life could be fucking with them. I mean, come on. Are we looking at anything other than the fact that they don't, they're a bit of an inconvenience to the adults around them? So here, put them on these fucking zombie meds? What are we talking about? I'm looking at this panel of people that are advocating these drugs and I'm just thinking to myself, yet weed is illegal in this country and we're filling 1.3 million people with these fucking white pills that are making them zombies? 
and doing fuck knows what to their internal system, to their liver and kidneys. I mean, we're creating a culture of zombies, weaklings, and timid little twinks. And that's why my previous point about giving these guys 10 grand to start their own business, I think is incorrect right now because I don't know any nuance and context and details of it and I don't think they do either. But the fact that we're creating a, a zombie nation with these pharmaceuticals and then, the, and then the hypocrisy of something that can actually do some good and, a, and create an enlightenment and a self-awareness like cannabis or some of the um, psychedelics that they're experimenting with in the universities, like Johns Hopkins, I think it is, um, has been, been doing uh, psychological, um, psycho, uh, psychedelic um, experimentation on things like clinical depression and quitting and addiction, uh, different things like this, and they're having resounding benefits to this. We're not even talking about that in this country. In the UK, that's not even socially acceptable to be talking about that microdosing with mushrooms or using it as a therapy to get over uh, the loss of a family member or if you are terminally ill the way it alleviates the sense of terror from uh, end of life experiences and things like that I mean what are we talking about but we have no problem pushing zombie meds on people at a rapid rate increasingly rapid rate and I just think it's really really terrible that that this is, this is where we're going. And then you see the effects of some of this stuff, right? We create people who are complaining that they don't have, they don't have the wherewithal to go out and work. Like I met this person the other day that has ME disease. And if you don't know what ME disease is, it's called chronic fatigue syndrome. And again, I don't wanna make fun of anybody that has an affliction. But chronic fatigue syndrome? Do you know what would happen to me if I had chronic fatigue syndrome? I would be homeless. I don't have the luxury of having a disease that allows me to lay down on the sofa or in bed and watch TV all day. And before you go shitting on me for having to go at these or this particular illness, there's no cause that's been scientifically identified. There's no cure. And it can't be analyzed. You just have to take the patient's word for it. And they're tired all the time. I'm sorry, but chronic fatigue syndrome sounds a lot like laziness. Sounds a lot like being a weak, thin-skinned individual that doesn't have real problems. That's what it sounds like to me. And maybe I'm lacking some empathy in that statement. And if I am, sorry. But I just think of like my life and if some of these afflictions that we're now hit with these days that seem commonplace would have been like my excuse, I would have been told they were an excuse. I would have been told to get the fuck up and do something about it. You fall down and cut your knee, you get up, you wipe it off, and you keep fucking going. 
Like, is that too harsh? When did we become this world full of weaklings? I just don't get it. And with the advancement of science and pharmaceutical science, we now have something that we can throw at it in the form of a little, of a little white pill. And I think it's really, really troubling that we're subjecting these kids to this sort of medication. Listen, if you're an adult and you want to start taking fucking Ritalin or you want to start taking um, Adderall, that's your choice. If you want to be zoned out and forget the beauty and the sensory, like stimulation that you get from the world if you live it in a positive wholesome and fruitful way then that's your choice but don't do that to your kids because they're acting out of sorts they can't sit down in class maybe their fucking teacher's boring oh i can't sit still he can't focus on anything stop feeding them three cans of cokes a bag of crisps and a chocolate bar every fucking day how about that Get them in a sports club. Get them exercising. Get them building. Get them thinking. Get them exploring. Get them creating. Stimulate your children. Don't allow the pharmaceuticals to stimulate your children. I mean, I was in the grocery store yesterday buying some shit for a barbecue. We had a cookout yesterday because it was beautiful. It was gorgeous and we had to because that's what you do when the sun is shining. So I went and grabbed the stuff from the butcher and I had to stop at the grocery store to get a couple of bits and bobs. Some sauces and things like that. Right? A couple of drinks, bottle of wine, etc. And I'm in the queue. And there's two people in front of me, so I'm waiting. And this woman comes up with her four children. And I start to unload. And there's a guy in front of me still, and he's going through, and the guy's still beeping his stuff, right? Boop, sh- boop, sh- right? So keeps going, keeps going. So, but I start to kind of pack in behind him, as you do. No problem. So whilst I'm unpacking my cart, this woman who's got the four kids with her, she disappears. Now between him ringing my stuff through and her coming back to the till, she leaves her four kids at the till, to wash the trolley. She's not in line. She's to the side. There's a good five minutes. Now, within that five minutes, the guy's almost processed all my groceries. And another woman has come for two minutes and stood behind these kids. She said, where's your mom? They said, we don't know. She just went over there somewhere. Okay. Are you going in line? They're not. No, we're waiting for our mom. Okay. So she went ahead and she started unloading. The woman still took a few minutes because the woman who came into the line had effectively unloaded two-thirds of her groceries. This woman comes back in a tirade. You've cut my place in line. These kids were holding my place in line. And I turned around and said, who are you yelling at? And why are you yelling in front of your children? So she just goes irate. And maybe it was none of my fucking business. But she was properly trying to bully this woman into giving her her spot in line back. And I thought it was really disgusting because like people are, people are just so wound up. Everybody you meets at a nine, right? Somewhere in like that seven to nine region, especially living in a city, there's no unwinding of the band. Everybody's wound so tight, right? 
And I think that's, it's got catastrophic consequences, right? Because I was very calm when I was talking to this lady and I said, listen, you're yelling and you're yelling at this lady and you're slamming your groceries down onto the counter and your kids are sitting there watching, but the woman that you're yelling at has a baby. Is that any way to act? Because you decided to leave or that you had forgotten something and you hadn't started unpacking. I could see if she had started unpacking her groceries, I completely get it. But I was still unpacking mine. But I was almost done. And there was a good two to three minute gap in between there where that conveyor belt was almost empty and she still wasn't back and those kids weren't moving. So what is she supposed to just sit there behind these kids and wait this lady until hopefully this woman returns and then speedily, which she wouldn't do, speedily unloads her groceries and apologize for the time delay? No, 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 no. She went ahead as you do because who's got time to wait and why should she wait an exuberant amount of time for this woman who's just disappeared and left her kids standing there? So I turned and I said to her, how are you acting like this in public? Which made her more irate. So then I laughed at her. And I said, that's a beautiful way and a wonderful example to act that way in front of your kids. Well done. Have a lovely day. Enjoy the sunshine and I'll see you later. Turned to the lady who was getting bullied by this woman. I said, have a lovely bank holiday weekend and proceeded out the door with my groceries. But I just thought, fuck me, man. We've got, again, right, that circle and the extremes, man. We've got these, these fuckboy weaklings that are just can't do anything for themselves. And then somebody who expects everybody to cater to them and will attack you if you don't. And it's just, it's incredible to me. Um, so an unfortunate incident, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It was okay. It was all right. You know, we resolved it. It was all good. Sorry, I was just checking, just checking my phone. Very rude of me to do when I'm on the podcast with you guys. So I apologize. But, um, but yeah, I mean, those are some of the things. Oh yes, I forgot. Fucking, how do you get trolled by your own wife when you're the president? <laughs> you let Melania do the talking. I mean, her. Okay, she had a speech, bless her, she's trying. The great thing about it was, right, it's the most broken English, right, you're gonna hear from anybody in a in a, an official state position who pretends that they can. Um, she's trolling her husband because she's saying that you need to be kind online and divisiveness is not the key and we need to teach our kids to act better online, right? Like throwing, throwing total shade at the dawn, right? Throwing total shade at Mr. Orange. <laughs> and then she announced her initiative, right? And it's called Be Best. <laughs> Melania Trump's initiative for children online is be best. 
She's getting slated. Of course she's getting slated. But come on, man. Fuck. Like, who's proofreading this shit? Be best. If you online, we want you to be best. What the fuck? Don't bully. Be best. Uh, bless her, man. Fuck. At least she trolled Trump, which was great. She's getting slammed. And now it turns out this was already a thing. And she just took it from somebody else and basically plagiarized the fucking thing. So... In a world of infinite chaos, in a world of infinite possibilities, we are currently living the reality that sees these two morons running the free world. And on that note, how could we say anymore? I'm going to get out of here, guys, because the sun is still shining and I'm not wasting the afternoon. I love you. This has been a pleasure. Apologies for the noise outside. I'm on the very front of my house which is facing the street so I get all the traffic and it's too hot not to have the fucking window open so there's probably going to be some back no background noise uh, from the vehicles in there but I'm sure you'll get over it guys listen I'm coming back in the next couple of days to do a uh, UFC preview because we got Amanda Nunez um, defending the title against Raquel Pennington uh, this weekend and I want to get some coverage on that so if I don't do a preview I'll definitely do a review, but I'm going to try to get you guys in a couple of days with another one of those, um, and we're going to keep it moving, man. I hope this beautiful, beautiful weather continues to bless London. I've got some color, looking healthy, looking good. This is what we work out all fucking year for, right? The two days of the year we can call summer in London, get our tits out, and enjoy looking good just for a fraction of the month and a fraction of the year. But um, that's it, guys. We're done. Episode 30 is in the motherfucking bag. I love you. Thank you for listening. Until next time, this is The Quiet Part Loud. I'm your host, Daryl, as always. And until next time, guys, all the best. <laughs>